Hi, I'm Jan. And I'm Lynn. Welcome to the Lamplighters podcast. Lamplighters is a community that encourages women to grow in our faith through the study of God's Word. We are grateful to be on the journey with you this year as we travel through the Bible, following the stories of some of the women who have impacted our faith. Last week, we studied the remarkable faith of Hannah, who was a key link in the story of the Messiah because she was a mother of Samuel, the transitional figure from the time of the judges to the establishment of the monarchy. So, Jan, where do we find ourselves this week? Well, this week, we've got another fascinating woman uh, with whom I personally wasn't very familiar. Mm -hmm. Her name was Abigail. Um, In fact, there's so little known about her that it was difficult to find commentaries written about her. Mm -hmm. But she is amazing. Okay, now, lots has happened since Hannah gave birth to Samuel. So let's get some background so when we pick up the story in 1 Samuel 25, we'll understand what's going on. It wasn't much time in actual years But it was full of very significant events for the nation of Israel. Now, as you said, Lynn, this is a transitional time. And because of that, it's very tumultuous. Mm -hmm. So hang on, it's a little complicated. Remember last week, Eli was the high priest who raised Samuel. Mm -hmm. But the Lord rejected Eli and his worthless sons as priests and leaders of Israel because they were so corrupt. Instead, the Lord called the young Samuel. And eventually, all Israel acknowledged him as God's prophet. So Samuel is kind of the last of the judges and the first of the prophets, right? And he was a great stabilizing influence for God's people. You know, it never fails to surprise and delight me that we don't have to be perfect for God to use us. And that's probably because if we did, he would never get the opportunity because we are all so flawed. Mm. You know, he uses us despite ourselves. And Eli is a great example of this. Even though you get the feeling that he approached Hannah with a very superior and judgmental attitude when she was desperately praying, God still used him to restore her hope and conviction that everything was being going to be okay with that blessing he sort of tossed out to her. That was all she needed. Mm -hmm. He knows each of us so well that only he knows what we need and who to use to help us get there. Each of us is broken, but God uses our very brokenness to further his plan. Exactly. And the story of Hannah and Samuel is just a wonderful example of God placing the exact right person in the exact right place at the exact right time. That's a full definition of God's providence, which we're going to study more about in the book of Esther. But both Hannah and Samuel were called in their own ways to serve the Lord and his people. Mm -hmm. And his people were a mess. (laughs) They uh, tangled with the Philistines, their enemies on the coast, and the Philistines stole the Ark Mm. of the Covenant. That Mm. was a very serious thing. God had to get it back for the Israelites by afflicting the Philistines with tumors, which is very creative discipline if you think about it. But the people of God were not satisfied with his um, protection and provision. They wanted a king. They wanted to be like everybody else Uh. because everybody else had a king and they wanted one, right? Mm -hmm. Well, Samuel warned them, this is not going to turn out the way you want. Mm -hmm. But they insisted and God granted their request. And this is a real timely reminder for those of us who like to insist on our own way, that sometimes God's no can be a gracious gift. Mm -hmm. However, the Israelites didn't take God's no (laughs) for an answer, and he turned them over to themselves. 
He gave them what they asked mm-hmm. for, which is sometimes the worst thing we can get. Mm-hmm. Now, Charles, Charles, Saul was chosen as the first king, and he began very well, but he soon descended into unlawful sacrifices and rash decisions and disobedience to the Lord. He didn't follow God, and God ultimately rejected Saul, but graciously allowed him to stay on the throne for several years. So this is what's going on at the time. Well, um, I think since we can see the bigger picture story, it's easier to see that God's grace in that situation was also part of his plan. Mm -hmm. Saul was there to wait for the next person in God's plan to come along, even though Saul didn't know that at the time. He didn't know that's what he was doing. (laughs) Exactly. Saul became a placeholder because of his own disobedience. Mm -hmm. Um, So Samuel was then sent by God to anoint the next king. David, who Mm. was the runt of his family. And that was a very unexpected choice. Um, You've probably heard some of the stories of what followed. You know, Mm -hmm. David served Saul. He slew Goliath. He played the harp in the royal court. He became a fierce warrior for God's people and became very, very famous. His Mm -hmm. reputation was growing. So Saul sought to tie David to himself and offered him one of his daughters, Merab, in an advantageous alliance. For him. For him. Yeah. David said, oh, no, I'm not worthy of that. So Saul reneged on the deal, and he married Merab to another man. But Saul tries again, right? He wants to ensnare David by giving him his second daughter, Michael, who was very much in love with David and who protected him from her father. She began Mm -hmm. well. She ended up not doing such a good job as wife, right? But in the meantime— As David's reputation grew, so did Saul's jealousy. Yeah. He resolved to kill David, and David fled for his life into the wilderness. So he spent the next 13 years of his life as a fugitive. All all told, he waited 15 years to be king, 13 years running for his life. And that's where we pick up the story this week. David and his loyal men, there are 600 of them, Mm -hmm on the run in the wilderness, avoiding Saul and trying to stay alive. Well, Jan, you warned us this was going to be complicated, and it reads like a soap opera. You know, it's, first of all, his little group of 600 men fleeing, that's... That's a lot of men. Yeah, that's that's hard to even comprehend. But it's such a lesson in patience, especially for us today, Mm -hmm. when everything is instant gratification. 15 years of patiently waiting, it almost seems, it's hard to even comprehend. And 15 years not in peace. No, no. He was being chased for 13 of those 15 years. Yeah, it's crazy. Okay, what's next? Uh, Well, lots of drama for sure. Um, This week's study is one of a number of vignettes during this wilderness period before David's crown king. The story is fairly straightforward. The heroine of the story is not. Mm. Nabal, which means fool, uh, was a man. He was very rich. He had lots of livestock. David's men had protected his shepherds Mm -hmm. in the past. And now at shearing time, David sends his men to Nabal to ask for return hospitality. That was not unusual. Yeah. Nabal, who was very wealthy and could afford generosity, was instead very dismissive, rude, and insulting. That turned out to be a big mistake. Mm -hmm. David, 
the young David, was a hothead. <laughs> and he got angry at the insult and told 400 men, put your swords on, we're going to war, right? We're going to teach this guy a lesson. Mm-hmm. I'm going to avenge my honor. Yeah. And they were all set to go. Mm-hmm. So what we have here is a classic conflict between two giant insulted egos, yeah. right? Inner Abigail. Her name means my father's joy. And interestingly, she's the only woman in Scripture who's described as both intelligent and beautiful. Oh, they're not mutually exclusive. No, they're not. (laughs) It's really interesting. Now, the story's a simple one. One of Nabal's servants told Abigail what was going on, and it's interesting that the servant trusted her, not his master. Yeah. She responded very quickly by sending a feast to David and his men. And it really, when you read it, it sounds like she emptied out the whole kitchen. Mm -hmm. Then she went herself and made a wise appeal to David. David was grateful. He called off the slaughter. Abigail went home. Next day, told her husband what she has done. And he is literally scared to death. He dies 10 days later. David sends for Abigail and marries her. So she follows him around the wilderness for years, bears a son, who is never in line for the throne. She's still present at the celebration of the ark coming to Jerusalem, but she plays no part in the court that we can tell, and she fades from the pages of history. So it is a a brief little story, and what makes her such a fascinating woman, and what is it that we can learn from her? Oh my gosh, she is so fascinating. She has so many lessons to teach us. I had a hard time focusing on one of them, but I finally settled on her wise conduct that avoided not only conflict, but also disaster for everybody concerned. I feel a list coming, Jan. Oh, yes. You know (laughs) how I love lists. So let's think about for a minute what constitutes wise conduct. The first thing is, when confronted with the problem, Abigail acted quickly. She did not hesitate. You know, we've said before, there's a time to stop and pray and ponder and discern, Mm -hmm. and there's a time to act. And Abigail knew the difference. Mm -hmm. She didn't stop and fret or worry. She didn't delay. She didn't ask anybody else's opinion. She knew what she had to do, and she did it without involving many people or gossiping about it or talking about it to anybody else. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. She knew when to act. The second thing is, she extended the generous hospitality that her husband denied. You know, they they could definitely afford it. Mm-hmm. She knew that all that food would be a salve, mm-hmm. if not to David, at least to the men who were wandering around the wilderness, probably hungry. And it was a subtle admission of guilt mm. and fault. So she sent her servants ahead with this lavish meal, honoring that tradition of hospitality that was so powerful in that culture. And she knew that hungry men are quarrelsome. Yeah. You know, satisfied men are much less so. Mm -hmm. So by doing what she did, she removed one or two irritants with her generous offering. Very wise. The third thing is she wisely followed after the servants by herself. That took courage. Mm -hmm. But it also created time and space for her to pray. Now, it becomes apparent that Abigail's wisdom came from her deep faith and her understanding of who God is, Mm -hmm. right? And we're going to see, as this encounter with David develops, that the two of them had a common foundation in the Lord. They had some common language. Yeah. Her delay also provided time for David to absorb the gift and 
think differently Mm -hmm. and kind of rethink what he wanted to do with it. So she displays this trusting vulnerability, which also had to appeal to his insulted ego. Mm -hmm. I mean, she approaches him in exactly the right way. The fourth thing is her attitude was correct. She was truly humble. There, we get no sense that there was a prideful heart in her at all. She honestly admitted the wrong done to David. She owned the insult, even though it had been delivered by her husband, who was described as being surly, mean, wicked, and foolish. She certainly was all of those things. She knew that what he had done reflected on her. Mm. And so she admitted the wrong. And, you know, that's one of the hardest things. Yeah. It was one of the most important things is to admit when we're wrong and to identify with the feelings of the person who's been hurt. Mm -hmm. And she did that beautifully here. The fifth thing is that Abigail clearly made an appeal to David in the way that was most likely to be heard. Mm. She had a wise use of words. She was respectful. She um, reminded David that vengeance didn't become him as the future king, that vengeance was the Lord's. And she based her appeal on who David was to God and what was best for David. Mm. She didn't really enter into this equation. And she used words that David understood that were in his vocabulary. Like in verse 29, she references a slingshot. Well, you know David immediately thought of Goliath. Mm -hmm. And she's deliberately using that language to get her point across. This is probably one of the most brilliant examples of clear and effective communication in Scripture. Mm. And David recognized that the Lord used Abigail to prevent him from Mm -hmm. unnecessary bloodshed and from disobedience to God. So you can think of it this way. The way Abigail approached this conflict with David saved her entire family, but it also saved David too, and therefore the link to the Messiah. Mm. It was a big picture. Now you're thinking, okay, she's wise, why wise? But her wisdom didn't end at that point, and this is the most astonishing thing to me. She continued to display wisdom, not only by knowing when and how to speak, but by knowing when and why to keep silent. Yeah, That's sometimes the harder one Mm -hmm. for me. She got home to discover her husband rip-roaring drunk. And don't you know, she wanted to pinch his head off for the danger he Mm -hmm. had put her in and everyone else in, in his thoughtless selfishness. She didn't. She exhibited great patience. And she waited until the next morning Mm. before she told Nabal how close to death he'd been. Now, I think this aspect of of wisdom is harder sometimes to be patient, to keep our mouths shut, to wait on Mm -hmm. the Lord's timing, and not to just say what's on our heart because we want to get it off our heart. Mm -hmm. Anyway, a final aspect of Abigail's wisdom can be seen at the end of the story. She left the results in God's hands. Mm. She didn't have an end in mind except assuaging David's anger. She didn't try to control or manipulate an outcome. And the result was that God provided for her, and she ended up honorably married to David, who would be king. Well, I see why you wanted to make a a list. There's a lot (laughs) to absorb. And, you know, this is sort of like 
I just appreciate so much the layers in this woman Mm -hmm. that you revealed. So let me just talk about a few of the things that I picked up on. First of all, there are times when swift action is necessary. You know, I think sometimes we too easily fall into that trap of seeking confirmation from someone else before we act. Um, But something in her knew that there was no time for that. And she listened to her gut and Mm -hmm. she did what needed to be done. And then, of course, you know, the food thing is really going to speak to <laughs> I me, I knew Jen. you were going to mention that. <laughs> yes, yes. As you know, I love to feed people because for me, it's a gesture of service and love. You know, we've all heard that saying, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's been around since then, because <laughs> she clearly understood the importance of getting some food in the bellies of those men to yep. calm them down. It was not only generous, it literally fed a need and it gentled their spirits. Mm -hmm. Also, she was clearly a woman who was sensitive to the feelings and needs of others. She knew how to approach an angry man. She she approached him humbly and respectfully instead of stirring up more of his anger. And she was so wise to speak to him in a language, probably with gestures even, that he would understand. But the most important thing for me to remember in this story is that last part. Oh, yeah. She left the outcome to God. She did what she knew she needed to do. And then she just trusted God with the rest. And I'm so impressed with this woman. My lists are never as good as as yours. So so what did I I miss out on and what do you want to add to or just remind us of? (laughs) Um, Well, I'll just summarize the wise conduct we learned from Abigail. the things that we can apply in our own lives. Perfect. Foster a deep relationship with the Lord. That yeah. was that was the basis for everything that she did. Mm-hmm. Know when to act and when to stop and pray. Yeah. Be generous. Have a humble attitude and heart. Mm-hmm. Admit when you're wrong. Know when to speak and when to remain silent. Be patient to wait for God's timing. Mm. Base any appeal on God's character and what's best for the other person in language that they can understand and leave the results in God's hands. Mm. That one you mentioned is sometimes the hardest, Yeah. besides being quiet for me. So there are a lot of takeaways here. What's one of yours? Well, obviously, Abigail is a woman after my own heart because she saw what needed to be done and she did it. But the part that I want and need to learn from her is how gently and humbly she did it. You know, too often, as I've confessed so many times, I'm afraid I just charge in and boldly take over. I don't think that would have gone very well in this circumstance. Mm. I can also say in my life, a few things probably would have ended better if I had taken her approach. So I think my lesson is to be more considerate of how others are feeling when I charge in and maybe try and take a gentler approach to stop and think about how others would best receive my help and in what way I should give it is something I could work on for sure. Mm -hmm. Be deliberate. Yeah. Be deliberate and proactive. You know, there's so much to admire and emulate uh, from Abigail. One of the major lessons for me has to do with conflict because, you know, I hate Mm -hmm. conflict. Mm -hmm. But Abel teaches me that sometimes it's unavoidable, and there's a wise way of approaching it, and that God can bring good things out of it. My encouragement to everyone this week 
is that if they have something they've been avoiding, Mm -hmm. confront it now. Yeah. And before you do, go back and read the story of Abigail again Mm -hmm. and think, okay, she did this, how can I do that? She did this, how can I do that? And it frames your approach to this difficult problem that you have in your life. It's a template. It's a template. It really is. And if we go back and read that, then we have a template and it's not such a scary thing. So that's my encouragement is to uh, confront something you've been putting off and read about Abigail and try to apply her before you do. (laughs) So until next time, when we are going to look at a woman who's the exact opposite of Abigail. 